You're listening to Daily Notes, presented by Home Sideways. On this episode of Daily Notes, we go back to 2017 and talk about two films that got nominated for Oscars and a new film that has now claimed the top spot of my 2017 best of list. Let's go. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I drink your milkshake. If you only knew the power of the dark side. You have my curiosity. Now you have my attention. This is how I went. Shall we begin? Hey everybody, welcome back to the Almost Sideways Movie Podcast. My name is Adam. These are my daily notes where I have fun conversations about films. Really excited to go back to 2017 because I feel like this year is really when I started going really hard into a lot of my taking movie reviewing and movie conversation to a whole new level. I watched a whole lot of movies in 2017. It's not the first year I joined Almost Sideways. I was several years before. However, I, I really dove at that time in 2017. I was really into the YouTube space. I did a lot of the YouTube reviews at that time, and I remember being t- taking those really seriously. Like I, even on the podcast here too. But 2017 was a huge year for me going to the movies. I saw a ton of them in theaters, and I'm really excited to dive into these reviews here because there is a first time watch of Phantom Thread. I've never seen that film before. I know that's Todd's uh, favorite film of 2017. So diving into the last, air quotes, possible last performance of Daniel Day-Lewis, really a phenomenal actor. Second film this year that I've reviewed of his, I did The Last of the Mohicans earlier in the year, I really love that movie. Uh, so really excited to share my thoughts on Phantom Thread. Also doing two rewatches on this episode. I put a poll out a few weeks ago trying to prepare for this, this last month of September to try to see what I wanted to review. And I put a poll out, which movie should I review uh, as like a featured review for the podcast. And Dunkirk did win that post, uh, the poll. And Dunkirk was a movie, without going to too much details at this point, it's directed by Christopher Nolan. And Nolan is always a big, spectacular director. He's one of my favorites as well. I put Dunkirk, I wasn't as high on it as everyone else was. But I'll share more of those thoughts in the review. And then, of course, Wind River, starring Elizabeth Olsen and Jeremy Renner. Really under the underrated film here. And I loved this rewatch here, so can't wait to share my thoughts on both of these movies. And like always, guys, make sure you guys check the show notes or the show notes of this episode, wherever you're listening to it. And uh, make sure you, uh, if you guys are interested in uh, watching any of these movies, I share down below in the show notes where they are streaming so that you can go also experience what I have experienced on Daily Notes today. Make sure you guys subscribe, give us a follow, share a comment, a review. We'll read them out on the podcast for you guys. So it'd be awesome to hear from you there. And follow us on Twitter at Almost Sideways. Anyway, without further ado, uh, well, actually, wait, hold up. Let's pump the brakes real quick. Little side rabbit trail real, real quick for sports. Huge round of applause goes to Albert Pujols. He just hit a 700th home run of his career. Uh, crazy fact is his average um, home run trot was like 26 seconds, and I guess they tallied it up. It's over five hours as running the bases for his home runs. Uh, that's a crazy time over his whole career. Uh, congratulations, Albert Pujols. Uh, there was a lot of conversation if he was going to hit that home run, if he wasn't going to hit the home run before the season was over, because this is his final year. He said he's going to retire, and what a way to go out. 700 home runs. Now we're just waiting for Aaron Judge at his 61st home run to tie Roger Maris. Uh, really exciting stuff for baseball. Jared Kelenic is back. My my boy, Jared Kelenic, 
the Mariners are making a, a postseason push as well. Uh, hopefully, we can get Julio Rodriguez back and healthy, and, and Eugenio Suarez. We also signed Luis Castillo to a five-year or six-year extension. Really excited for all these things in sports. And that is where I will end my uh, sports conversation and leave it to the main guys about their sports betting. So anyway, uh, let's go back into the movie conversation. And I feel like let's start off with that first time watch. That's how I usually start it out. And I think Phantom Thread is a good conversation piece. So let's journey into the world of Paul Thomas Anderson and talk about Phantom Thread. You can sew almost anything into the canvas of a coat. When I was a boy, I started to hide things in the linings of the garments. Things that only I knew were there. Secrets. Good morning. Will you have dinner with me? Yes. I feel as if I've been looking for you for a very long time. You look beautiful. Very beautiful. Things I want to do. Things I simply cannot do without you. Reynolds has made my dreams come true. And I have given him what he desires most in return. <laughs> Every piece of me. Why are you not married? <laughs> Her arrival has cast a very long shadow. She's barely looked at you this evening, has she? May I warn you of something? My brother can feel cursed that love is doomed for him. I don't like the fabric. Maybe one day you'll change your taste. Maybe I like my own taste. Just enough to get you into trouble. Perhaps I'm looking for trouble. Stop! There is an air of quiet death in this house. You're not cursed. You're loved by me. Stop playing this game. What game? What precisely is the nature of my game? All your rules and your clothes and all this money and everything is a game. This was an ambush. Stop. Are you sent here to ruin my evening and possibly my entire life? Stop it. All right. So Phantom Thread is directed by Paul Thomas Anderson and has the amazing cast of Daniel Day-Lewis as Reynolds Woodcock, Vicky Cripps as Alma, and Leslie Manville as Cyril. Really uh, great three performances. I think they all are Oscar-worthy caliber uh, performances. Yes, Daniel Day-Lewis and uh, Leslie Manville did get the Oscar nominations, but I feel like Vicki Cripps should have been right there in the conversation. I know that she was probably like the sixth person in there. I actually have owned this movie for quite some time. I've got it on a Black Friday deal, I believe, from Best Buy one year. I've just been sitting on my shelf, so... Unfortunately, I was—I I may not have been watched unless I did an episode like this, and so that's why I kind of like my formatting of watching, of doing a first-time watch and watching stuff that are celebrating anniversaries because I get a, be able to have a chance to talk about it and makes me want, uh, makes me watch these movies. So going into this movie, you know, I knew what it was about uh, Daniel Day-Lewis's character, who is a dressmaker, and this kind of a relationship that she he has with Vicky Cripps, and it's kind of. A, uh, obsessions that he has and compulsions that he does have too. So, I, but that's really all I knew. I knew that it was reviewed, I believe, on the podcast with the main guys here. I didn't really have any expectations. I knew that I may or may not like it because Paul Thomas Anderson is kind of an acquired taste at times. Um, it's a drama romance as well. So uh, if you haven't watched this movie before, the IMDb description says, Set in the 1950s Lon- London, 
Reynolds, Reynolds Woodcock is a renowned dressmaker whose fastidious life is distur- disrupted by a young, strong-willed woman, Alma, who becomes his muse and lover. What I really kind of thought about this movie was that there is a lot of like the kind of a toxic relationship between the characters, but also a power struggle within the walls of this house here. You could definitely tell that the two characters love each other, but there is a huge power struggle between them on who's going to be, uh, you know, in charge, kind of in a, in a sense there too. There is definitely some toxic stuff that Woodcock does do, but also Alma returns the favor in a sense too so both characters are considered i would consider them really damaged uh characters but what paul thomas anderson was able to do somehow for me was even though that the first half i kind of found rather kind of slow and pretentious at times and really haunted with this the really the score that was over the whole film which was brilliant and beautiful I, i really loved it Paul Thomas Anderson found a way to get me engaged and to care about the characters, even though I may not like them as much as I they were maybe trying to have me like them. And I think that is something to say about Paul Thomas Anderson's work here. And I think I have done a Paul Thomas Anderson movie this year, but I'm drawing a blank on what it is. Uh, yes, Punch Drunk Love. That's the movie that I had seen this year. Yeah, I'm hit or miss on Paul Thomas Anderson. I did share this with the Punch Drug Love episode. Of like I think I did for that four or five weeks ago. So that was not too long ago. Uh, what top 100 movie for me is Boogie Nights and There Will Be Blood. Love those two films. Haven't seen the Chris Pizza still. And The Master I also really like. But there's some movies I don't like. Inherent Vice is one of them. And uh, I found myself really kind of enjoying the the journey that it did take. And I think that's a sign of a good director. When you can find a uh, topic, I'm not really into dressmaking. I'm not really, I wasn't really drawn to watch this right away. Like I said, I'm really watching this because the, the podcast gave me some to, um, a, a kind of homework to do, to check off, you know. Paul Thomas Anderson has a way of kind of telling these stories with complex characters and getting you into this world and making you care somehow. And I did care uh, at the end of it. I thought this was a very well put together movie that has some amazing score that is very underrated. I think his score in Punch Drunk Love and this film are, he has a good way of telling a story with an amazing score on it. I think that's awesome. He was able to direct his actors in a way that just makes you kind of like just feel for him and uh, can also want to make you pull your hair out at the same time. I love the, the the set design. The costumes were amazing, and that's come to be that's what you expect when you come to nineteen uh, fifties films. You got to have, especially about dressmakers, you have to have those be top notch. Uh, the the performances here by Daniel Day Lewis, brilliant. I, I wish I I really think he's going to come back. Hopefully, at some point to do one more uh more one more last rodeo. That'd be awesome to see. But Vicky Cripps was really it's a bummer that she did not get. An Oscar nominated for her role as Alma is considering looking on our website. You have all the Oscar nominations right there. You had Frances McDormand, who was the winner from Three Billboards, Margot Robbie and I, Tanya, uh, Saoirse Ronan and, and Lady Bird, and Sally Hawkins in The Shape of Water. The one I would probably take out, though I haven't seen it yet, 
is Meryl Streep in The Post. I've just heard some things about that movie that it's not the, the best performance that she could have been nominated for, and we could have put Vicky Kreps in that spot. It's a bummer that she didn't get nominated, because I feel like she's definitely deserving of that nomination there. But we also get Leslie Manville as getting nominated here as well, alongside another I, Tanya star in um, Alice and Janney, and you got... Um, Lady Bird, another nomination for there for Laurie Metcalf, which was who I predicted to win that year. But then you also get uh, Mary J. Blige for Mudbound, and you get Octavia Spencer in The Shape of Water, which is another interesting one. Very deserving um, nomination for Leslie Manfield. I, she was my personal favorite character. I think there was a lot that she was able to do with that role and kind of stand toe-to-toe with both characters battling with power for this house and she was able to stand her ground and not take any bullshit from any of them and also like stood up to woodcock but also liked Dalmo, but also was like hey you need to watch yourself here really complicated character i really just enjoyed the hell out of that and i think the most impressive thing about this is that the the story it kind of moves you know the first hour i felt like was it's a little slower because you're still trying to get into these characters but then at the halfway point Again, it just kind of goes, and it, you're feeling for everything. You're wondering how it's going to, how it's going to end up, and it's. I, I found myself caring a lot for it. So, is it a top ten film for me? Probably not, but it's one of Paul Thomas Anderson's best movies. I feel at least the ones I have seen. I jump dumping into that budget for him. Let's see here. It came out. It had a thirty-five million dollar budget, and it only it made a. Uh, 47 or like 48 million dollars so just made its budget back and a little extra as well it was nominated for several oscars dive into those real quick as well it got nominated for picture actor for daniel d lewis supporting actress for leslie manfield director for paul thomas anderson costume design and original score which i'm glad they got the original score nomination it did win for costumes which uh very deserving costume design it, it didn't have a tough competition it only was going up against beauty and the beast darkest hour which will be a first time watch episode in december the shape of water and a a film called uh, victoria and abdul never seen that movie Uh, but anyway those are the costume designs i feel like the original score would have been another deserving winner but it did go to coco and it was also going up against no, that's not that. Oh, no. I read the original song for a second. Original score. Uh, Shape of Water, Dunkirk, Phantom Thread, Star Wars The Last Jedi, and Three Billboards. My personal favorite out of those scores is Dunkirk, even though I, I love the nomination for uh, Phantom of the Opera. Not Phantom of the Opera. Phantom Thread. What am I doing, Adam? <laughs> Crazy. Anyway, uh, Phantom Thread. I'm going to give three and a half stars right there. I, I, it's it's really solid film. That I definitely want to do a rewatch on and try to uh, put the, put together the characters a little more and get more invested into this world. I thought it's just really good to see Daniel Day Lewis back on the screen again. So maybe that's another reason why I liked it a lot too. But a great film. I definitely check it out. It's on Netflix. So go check it out. So without further ado, let's dive into another movie we just mentioned, and that is Dunkirk. What has happened is a colossal military disaster. We shall go on to the end. We shall never surrender.
core went out. We have to go to Dunkirk. Ready on the stern line. What are you doing? You know where we're going. Into war, George. I'll be useful, sir. What of ours. He's on me. I'm on him. The ship's about to leave. They need to send more ships. Every hour the enemy pushes closer. They've activated the civilian boats. Civilians? We need destroyers. Where are we going? Dunkirk. I'm not going back. We or they will die. You're weekend sailors, not the bloody navy. Should be at home. There's no hiding from this, son. We have a job to do. Turn it around. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall never surrender. We shall never surrender. We shall never surrender. Where's the bloody air force? So Dunkirk is directed by Christopher Nolan and has a cast of Fiona Whitehead, Barry Keegan, Mark Rylance, Kenneth Branagh shows up here, Tom Hardy, and the controversial casting decision of um, hiring Harry Styles of One Direction. Uh, funny thing is that every time I saw him on, on the screen, I can always thought of Watermelon Sugar, which is his big song. Anyway. I remember that being a huge talking point back in 2017 is that Harry Styles got cast. The movie's going to suck now. Let's riot, flip over tables, blah, blah, blah. However, he's actually rather good, I, I think, in the movie. It just proves that Christopher Nolan knows how to cast or the casting directors know how to cast and you should just let him be. This movie came out in 2017, about the same time we started our podcast because this is actually our very first episode on the Almost Sideways Movie Podcast. So a uh, really cool fun fact to revisit this movie. I remember I did talk about this on YouTube. I don't remember what I said. I don't have that video anymore. But I know that I gave it two and a half stars. I did not give it a favorable review. I still enjoyed it for what it is, but I didn't like some of the sequencing and how the, the structure of the story is in linear. It kind of bugged me a little bit too. And I think another thing I said was that not getting, you know, any background on any of these soldiers here made you not really care about them. However, rewatching it now, I'm kind of doing a completely opposite take on a lot of my my original thoughts here. I actually really enjoyed this movie quite a bit, and I actually think that it's actually a, a solid movie. I'm going to give this three stars uh, straight out the gate. And I feel like Dunkirk for me, if I watch it again, I can like it even more. Uh, really enjoyed a lot of the elements, and I just pro proves that Christopher Nolan's a great director. Is it a perfect film? I don't think so. And I feel like some of the story beats, I think it's actually more creative than I originally gave it credit for. Especially with the, the sense of time and how they're under the gun. And it's all about timing. The score has a lot that clicking, clicking of a clock uh, in the background of the score. And it's also set up where like Tom Hardy's characters are like an hour ahead of some of the story. And Mark Rylance, who is trying to on a boat 
with his um, son and another uh, kid and trying to go save some of the soldiers on the beach. I think those are all things, once you've seen it a couple of times, you could piece them together. So I actually enjoyed a lot of that because it kind of was like, oh yeah, that was just there. Really, uh, really fun rewatch. I think that this is one one that I knew when 2017 came up that I knew I had to do Dunkirk again. If you haven't seen Dunkirk in a while, the synopsis on IMDb says, Allied soldiers from Belgium, the British Commonwealth and Empire, and French are surrounded by the German army and evacuated during a fierce battle in World War II. The primary, a lot of the story, you follow different characters. You follow Tom Hardy, and uh, he's in the in these fighter uh, jets with two other guys, and they're doing the over, like over the water, trying to get to Dunkirk. And you have Mark Rylance, like I said, in a boat trying to get to Dunkirk, trying to get the soldiers out of there. You also see Ian Whitehead and Harry Styles as they are trying to get on a boat, trying to get out of, from the uh, the city to get to back to out of Dunkirk to get back home to get out of there because they're surrounded. So you're seeing the in Kenneth Branagh too overseeing everything as well. So you're seeing a bunch of different sides of the story. You're seeing soldiers. You're seeing Air Force. You're seeing different Navy men, and you're seeing just also just regular citizens trying to help get out people out of Dunkirk. And it's very it's kind of intriguing. Even though you don't get a whole lot of background, I think the most background you get out of any of the characters is from Mark Rylance's character as well as um his son and character named George, who's played by Barry Keegan here. I really uh liked that. I think those moments really were subtle there and Barry Keegan it just proves again he's just an awesome actor. <laughs> I I really enjoyed him obviously in the Batman and I saw him in Killing of the Sacred Deer and he's just really in Eternals even though I didn't really care for that movie too much. He's just a really talented actor and I think this is my third or fourth film that I've watched of him this year alone and just want to see everything that guy does cuz he's intriguing as hell. So as I'm rewatching this and I found myself just really on the edge of my seat and just really wanting to care care about the characters and seeing the action play out. I thoroughly enjoyed the hell out of this movie this this second time, and I, that's why I can see myself giving it a three and a half stars. And I'm, I'm not sure it's a top ten movie because I really love my 2017 list. However, it's it's a really solid watch, and it's it's entertaining, it's intense, it's. You're on the edge of this your seat. You're caring about these characters, and that final like ten minutes where they're finally out of Dunkirk, it gives me gave me goosebumps, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. And I thought that was a very emotional like way to send the movie off. And I applaud Christopher Nolan for doing the what, the structuring the movie the way he did because it makes it, it requires multiple rewatches, which is great. The budget for this film was $100 million. It made $520 million worldwide. So it made a ton of money back in 2017. And it did get nominated for a bunch of Oscars here. Let's go over them. It got nominated for Picture, Director, Cinematography, Production Design, Sound, Editing, Sound Editing, Original Score. It's weird, a weird production design uh, nomination, I feel like. But it did win for Sound, Editing, and Sound Editing. Or Sound pause editing and pause one more time for and sound editing so i got three wins here the tech the tech categories really solid wins there, deserving of it uh, definitely those that sound and the, the editing of of the sound just the editing in general it, it put pieces this movie together and made you really feel the intensity of the situation and that they were under the gun to get out so 
I gotta, gotta give up to Dunkirk. So I'm giving Dunkirk three stars. Get that that rating up there, and I can definitely see it giving three and a half stars. I might just do it. Yeah, I'm feeling generous. Let's give it three and a half stars for Dunkirk. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I can't see myself not liking it next time. And I'm just gonna pregame it or not pregame it, but just, you know I'm just gonna I, I don't know. Forget it. I don't know what I was gonna say there. But three and a half stars for Dunkirk. Uh, without further ado, let's get to our last review of the show, Wind River. I need emergency assistance. What's your location? The Wind River Indian Reservation. I'm Jane Banner, FBI. Welcome to Wyoming. You by yourself? It's just me. That's Corey Lambert. He's the one who found the body. This is a homicide. I knew that girl. She's a fighter. They give six officers to cover an area the size of Rhode Island. Maybe you can help. Well, I know what the tracks say. What is it that you do again? I hunt predators. So why don't you come hunt one for me then? Why would a teenage girl be out here? What is she running from? You're looking for clues, but you're missing all the signs. Shouldn't we wait for backup? This isn't the land of backup, Jane. This is a land of your on your own. Oh my God. You won't get the answers you're looking for, no matter what you find. Why would your daughter run from home? I don't know why. She didn't tell me. Out here, you cannot blink. Not ever. This place, what it takes from us, what it took from you. I got lucky. Luck is in the city. Put your hand up there, weapon! Hey! Luck don't live out here. Wind River is directed by Taylor Sheridan and stars Elizabeth Olsen, Jeremy Renner, and Graham Greene. If you haven't seen this movie in a long time, or if at all... A veteran hunter helps an FBI agent investigate the murder of a young woman on a Wyoming Native American reservation. I, I've seen this movie before, and I I wanted to add this to the episode because I just I wanted to watch this again, to be honest with you. And I gave it three and a half stars on the website before. But after this watch, this is my favorite movie of 2017. It has dethroned Blade Runner 2049. The reason why I'm giving Wind River my favorite film of 2017 is that it is simply structured so well and you care so much about this investigation and has a haunting score that even though I love Dunkirk's Oscar and win and everything, I think Wind River had an even better score. It's That's probably my favorite score of 2017. The score and the location of where this takes place in the wintry, wintry isolated area of Wyoming, it is a haunting place and it is so claustrophobic in its feel because it feels like there is nothing around but silence and i feel like that is why what makes this movie so haunting obviously you're getting really compelling characters that are played by uh, jeremy renner and elizabeth olsen and you get 
Graham Greene appears in this movie, which is he's awesome. And seeing the the other Native American actors in here as well is it's it's brilliant. And having this investigation go down and you're wondering where what happens and even though I know exactly the twists and turns that the movie do take it's still just as as effective for me on the second watch that it is something that I just in awe of and it almost brought me to tears in this watch because of how powerful and subtle that ending is of this movie and uh, the message that it does show uh, Taylor Sheridan is a dang great writer and director. I'm pulling up his director's credits right now. Uh, his first you know, film I haven't seen is called Vile, but he's also done Wind River, uh, which is his other and he's done other TV shows. But I guess he's pri- I guess he's known primarily for his writing. I take it. So a lot of TV shows here. Uh, he's he wrote Sicario: Day of the Soldado. Sicario was his first like writing credit in that 2015 great movie too. I liked Sicario: Day of the Soldado. Um, Hell or High Water was 2016, so I really loved that movie too, and his follow-up was Wind River, where he chose to direct it, and I think that he has a really good eye for what he's doing, and he knows his stories and his characters, they're fleshed out, they feel vulnerable, they feel, they've been through some things, especially Jeremy Renner, I probably haven't seen him act this great in a long time, I really like Elizabeth Olsen here too, it is a a journey, especially when you get to this ending sequence where it is revealed what had happened to this uh, young lady. You feel the brutality of what actually happens, and and you, I, I, I couldn't help but feel bad. And it, it gets a little violent there. There's really, it's kind of violent at near the end too, which is right up there for me as well. But there's just something about this movie that just stuck with me and gave me the most emotional journey of every film that I've seen. I've seen almost 200 films this this year alone, new 2022 movies and older films, and no film has ever taken me on an emotional journey like this. I sat there in silence as I just watched the credits go, and it's there's hardly any music at all during the credits, which I think makes it even more effective for me. And considering that there there's always a missing persons for every demographic, but Native American women doesn't have a, a record of that. That's uh, really eye-opening and it's crazy that they don't have one and that stuff like that doesn't get taken seriously so it's uh just a i don't really have a ton to say on it it's just one of those movies that you just kind of have to experience because it is a journey it's an emotional roller coaster and it's my favorite film of 2017 i kind of want to just go watch it again so i'm turning into this budget here it was only made with 11 million dollar budget it was Criminally, criminally underseen, only made $44 million, which is still a lot of money. Don't get me wrong there. And then I did see that it got some awards love. not No Oscar love here, but it did win for American Indian Film Festival. It won for Best American Indian Movie Award. So it won Best Actor for Graham Greene and Best Film by Taylor Sheridan at that award show. It got a couple other nominations. Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films. It got Best Thriller nomination. The Cannes Film Festival got uh, winner of Best Director for Taylor Sheridan, and also got um, Golden Camera and Uncertain Regard Award for uh, nominated there too. So I got a couple like nominations for Taylor Sheridan and Graham Greene really, but I feel like just everything about this movie just works on all aspects. So it's my favorite film of 2017. Uh, so if you've seen it, great, go watch it again. <laughs> 
And that, yeah, the ending is just, it's just great. I love how it plays out. And it comes full circle with Jeremy Renner. Just amazing what he was able to do for this movie. Anyway, that's my thoughts on some 2017 movies. Uh, thank you for sticking around and hearing all, all of them. Uh, next week, we are kicking off, it's October 1st. That means we're kicking off a horror month. All the reviews will be horror-related uh, first-time watches or revisits. Really ex- excited to journey into some films here. We have a special guest and Todd on a couple of those reviews. We're going to be talking about some good ones here, I think. We're going to do a first, like, I don't want to spoil it. Uh, there's some, you, you just come back. Just come back, listen to some horror movies. Uh, let's, 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 let's have Mike Myers play us out. Let's go. Let's <laughs> go.